0: If I'm going to die, I'm going out podcasting, not running. Hello and welcome to episode... 57 of ribbon of memes i'm getting better at these episode numbers um this is a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other um invading colonial terrestrial species
1: in this case approximately nobody
0: (laughs) good point Uh, for reasons which we'll come on to um yeah no one has called this film a masterpiece but we will well maybe somebody has let's see if we do I am Nick. I am the, uh, do-gooder, if with some slight addiction problems of the podcast. And I am joined as ever by Roger, the wrong side of the tracks, uh, tough crook type character. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> <No>. Hello. That <laughs> <laughs> was good. You had me fooled. Um, today we, are, as far as the years roll by, we are, we've made it to 2002. I believe.
1: 2001. This is 2001 part 2.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, sorry. We, we, 21 years ago still. Um, but old enough to drink. Um, so, don't know. <laughs> don't know no where I was getting at that. Um, we are back with John Carpenter, who we last encountered, uh, getting very chilly, uh, in the, uh, the bottom of the world in The Thing. Well, here we are with his... Well, we, we, we have had another one, uh,
1: because there's also In the Mouth of Madness. I think this may be our oh, first, third time director.
0: It may be telling, um well, apart from Spielberg. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, it may be telling that I'd forgotten In the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's unfair. Now it's just that the thing is, uh, um uh, one of my favourite films, In the Mouth of Madness, is, probably not, to be fair. Um but this time, uh, we are talking about a film that very few uh, people um, say nice things about. Um, it's John Carpenter's 2001 Ghosts of Mars. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I did see this when it came out. Uh, I didn't see it in a cinema, but I, I saw it when it was uh, released on home video. And i got to say, I enjoyed it. And... I can, st- well, well, we'll come on to that, but you know, it, it, it was very thoroughly panned at the time. And it I, was, I
0: really, I found, I struggled to find many nice things that anyone said about it at all.
1: And this is a pattern, I think, because certainly with the thing, um in some ways it was ahead of its time. But, you know, pe- people found it, you know, too violent and all the rest of it, and... If it had come out five years later, it would have been oh yeah, it's just another film like that. So
0: another one of those films. Yes. I don't think it's quite uh,
1: like that, but but I'm certainly seeing a pattern here. Yes.
0: Yeah, so, well, Ghosts of Mars is the um, story of um, uh, interestingly matriarchal society uh, colonising Mars. Uh, it's not, not that they been... do a whole
1: lot with it. But...
0: Uh, no, no, it's 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 uh, background detail um, that isn't really explored that much. They are uh, clearly partly way through a, a game of terraforming Mars in the game, as they've still uh, not quite got the oxygen uh, percentage to where they need it to be, which seems to involve them then needing to wear glasses, as far as I could tell, when they're out on Mars.
1: Yeah, they don't have to wear the full face masks anymore, isn't it great?
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, we'll come on to some of the quirks of the film, but that was uh, that was an interesting <laughs> choice. Um, when our our cop character, Natasha Hen- Henstridge, um, who plays Melanie, uh, is, is telling the story of why she kind of lost her whole uh, troop um, somewhere between going to pick up a prisoner from a remote penal colony. Uh, it wasn't even a remote penal colony; no, like it, it's a mining colony. settlement.
1: Uh, but, uh, that but they've got this guy him.
0: arrested and in jail and so the cops so are so they're going to pick him up.
1: The fact they're sending uh, five cops to pick up one guy suggests something about how seriously they take this.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, that's because they're going to pick up Desolation Williams. I'm not, I'm not sure that name works quite as well as it seems to, uh, But it is, uh, but she's explaining. Sorry. Uh, the whole film is told which we may come on to as a flashback during this um during this discussion. Yeah, apart, and, apart from
1: the very beginning and the very end and one or two bits in between of so what
0: happened next? Uh yes, well it's one of the few films I've seen that has a triple flashback in that we have a flashback within a flashback within a flashback, which is uh, <laughs> which is quite impressive. It's usually a bad may... sign. Uh it's usually is a bad sign. Um it I think that kind of thing led to some accusations of the film being confusing. I have to say it 's not confusing it's really i mean it 's really not <laughs> um, it 's not a difficult film to follow um, anyway the the colony is deserted when they get there, and it turns out it 's deserted because everyone has been possessed by Kind of technological, or maybe spiritual, we don't know, but magical or other ghosts of Mars, which are now uh, a long-dead species which are possessing the intruding humans. Or something. Um,
1: this, this isn't a film where you find out, really, how stuff happened. I mean, you, no. you find out what the humans did, but you, you have no idea, really, what, the, what these creatures, machines, whatever,
0: are. Whatever. Uh, yeah, um, uh, and you could insert any... Explanation, you like it. The, t- the point is, they become zombies and uh, effectively the whole. It, it, it's effectively but, but that's they
1: become Mad Max extras.
0: Yeah, yeah, they do. There's certainly the Mad Max kind of kinky leather, <laughs> piercing stuff going on. Um, there's a lot of um, hissing and leering at the camera, Mad Max style. Um,
1: there's a character here who's credited as Big Daddy Mars. I mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> isn't he the lead? He's the lead baddie yeah. as far as i like, But the point is really that they they're almost an environmental hazard to some extent they're not really an enemy that thinks or moves that has to be outwitted uh, up
1: to, well up to a point i mean they well they 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 attack our principles that's fair enough yeah um, i But they do, you know, they they start throwing things at one point. They climb ladders. This this isn't just the mindless, I will move towards the flesh of a a classic zombie film.
0: I suppose, yes, they are marginally more tactical. Um, But the whole point is to create a similar situation to Carpenter's previous films, such as The Fog, Assault on Precinct 13, where we have a ragtag bunch of survivors attempting to uh escape a very perilous situation um whilst uh, uh, they are trying to attempt to be murdered by um in this case uh possessed martian miners
1: yeah for me i I've, i haven't seen the fog i have seen assault on precinct 13 i like it a great mm-hmm. deal that's very good but it seems to me that the distinction is that that's a much more static film i mean there it Apart from the setup, they are in the place and it ends when they successfully get out of the place because they are surrounded by civilization, they just can't contact it. Whereas here they are out on the arse end of nowhere. Yes. And it's much more mobile. I mean they're going from the jail to the train and places in between. Yes, yeah, it's much so, more so.
0: dynamic and, and hits the ground running. And I I think mobile really does sum up a lot of this film actually. It sort of hits the ground running and keeps moving. Um, I have to say that there
1: are two things this film does very early on which are calculated to appeal to Roger. And (laughs) the first one is space train.
0: (laughs) I mean, so so many
1: science fiction films just say, well, you know, it's the future, we got flying cars or, you know, Mars rovers or something, but no, we've got a train.
0: Because because it's it's hauling,
1: um, you know, tank trucks of ore. It makes sense to do it like that. You know... (laughs) It's it's not deep world building. It's a lovely bit of visual. Uh, and I like trains, what can I say?
0: It also, uh, the fact that it's a train adds a little bit. I, I, I hope it's not out of turn to say there is a Wild West feel to this. Oh yeah, very much so. Uh, and the train adds to that to some extent, as, as they are um, often featured in Westerns.
1: Yeah, uh, there's a thing... I think we may wait, have discussed wait, wait, We this.
0: haven't found out what the second thing that appeals to Oh, we'll, we'll come on to that. Hmm. Okay.
1: Uh, there, there's a thing that, uh, there's probably a proper filmmaking term for it. And if you're listening to this and you know what it is, please tell me. Um, but the idea of the handedness of visual storytelling. So, you know, moving left to right is an, an advance. It's progress. It's yes. going out into the, into the strangeness and right to left is coming home.
0: And yes, that, th- that's, that's certainly a thing.
1: That's played with here because, I mean, yes, to start with, the train coming back to the main city is coming right to left. That's fine. Mm. Uh, and then they go out again uh, in the flashback and it's left to right. But when they're escaping, it's left to right for them. They think they are progressing. It's right yeah. to left for the viewer outside.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Um Maybe that is why it doesn't feel... I mean, I had some issues with that, but it doesn't feel as jarring, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, that's nor, Normally I that kind I... of crossing
1: the line is is meant to be a big no-no, but I, I think it's deliberate here, and I think it's making a useful point that
0: they they are signals... not doing what they
1: think they're doing.
0: I, I think you're right. I, it doesn't feel as jarring that the... I mean, partially, um, I knew that the film wasn't over, but it doesn't feel... Maybe that is a subconscious thing, but, it, yeah, it doesn't feel jarring that they're like, no, we've got to go back. Um uh yeah, well maybe that is it. Maybe that's it. Well, I mean, I certainly went with it. It, it didn't feel unusual. Um, and it, yes, there was It felt like a subtle signal that something wasn't resolved, which we kind of knew anyway. But it works. Hmm. It
1: worked. Uh Should we talk about our cast? Um, mm. so Natasha Henstridge at this point, and I've got to say, probably into the future, really, is mostly known yeah. for Species in ninety five. Yes, uh, the, the the alien that well, that wants to breed.
0: Yes, uh, I remember. Maybe that in a, a fun very... way, but maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I was sort of a. a that was a. Um, I never saw Species actually, but I was aware of it as kind of a almost erotic. It was around the time of Basic Instincts and that sort of thing, and it felt in that kind of kind of titillating and and slightly you shouldn't be titillated by this kind of feeling. Mm. Um, I, I remember Species being the, the kind of SF equivalent of that. I could be wrong. I never saw that.
1: Yeah, c- certainly um, cable channels in the US are doing all sorts of stuff in the wake of Basic Instinct and so on. Uh, the Well, you know, it, it's sexy murdery.
0: Mm. Sexy murdery, that's the genre I was looking for, that's right. <laughs> uh,
1: interestingly, uh, several uh, actors turned down that role. Uh, Michelle Yeoh was offered it. Ooh. Uh, Franca Patenta was offered it. Uh, Famke Janssen. I mean, I, I don't particularly rate Janssen in, in for a few things I've seen her in, but I would love to see Yo or Patenta, um, in this role. I think they could have done yes. some really interesting things with it. I,
0: but the last minute, uh, change was, it was Courtney Love, wasn't it? Was uh, yeah. And, the,
1: and then she, then she got injured. And um, (laughs)
0: by her ex-boyfriend running over her.
1: Was it his wife or? Anyway. Anyway, yes. (laughs) I'm sure it was an
0: accident. Uh,
1: and then she knew somebody who suggested Henstridge and then, yeah, she's in the film. I, her performance is okay. Um, I don't think we learn much about her.
0: It's an intro, it's it's quite a straight role Mm. and it is a bit jarring that, Oh, she takes drugs as well, because she doesn't really come across as a character who has an addictive, uh, she's not like a troubled cop that, you know, uses this as an outlet. Oh, that would have been a real cliche, but she's not really a cliche character. She's just, she is a bit of a non-character to some extent, and also a little bit inconsistent, I think, with her personality. Um, uh, like there's a moment, we'll come on to it, I, I suppose, but there's a moment when she kisses Jason Statham's character, and it doesn't, it doesn't really feel earned. That could have been an interesting character moment, but instead it's a bit jarring as to he did. Yeah, the, there
1: know. are several things which seem as if they're, as if they're cut a little short. Mm. Um, so yeah, Jason Statham, this is not, uh, his, his first two films were with Guy Ritchie. Um, this is his fourth film after the third was a complete disaster. Uh, so he he's not well known yet. He he did actually originally um he was going to play Desolation Williams himself.
0: Oh, I mean I I gotta I just slightly bust it. This is coming off the back of our Mulholland Drive episode <laughs> and I uh I was more ready than I've ever been to see Jason Satan um mm-hmm. be the state um it, it, in a film, it's, it, was a, it was a very well-timed. I think I would have probably liked to see him as Desolation Williams, but I like him a lot as Jericho as well. Yeah, I just, um, there the producers would have been a bit wanted more of him if he was Desolation Williams. That's yeah. the only thing. The
1: producers wanted star power, so, so they got Ice Cube, who at that point was providing star power. I mean, he's still going. I don't think he's doing much acting these days. Um, no. For me, I mean, I think we've probably mentioned this on previous occasions. There are some actors who. Are, you know, wide ranging. You're, you're Joel Grey. Um. Uh,
0: yeah, Daniel Day Lewis. Um, that would be the typical one.
1: Yeah. Uh, and there are and they can do anything. And, and you look at the film, and you think, Oh wow, that was him. And then there are <laughs> actors like Jason Statham who have a narrow range, but they have the sense to realize that they have a narrow range.
0: I think this fits into your distinction between sort of stars and actors to some yeah, extent. Maybe, yeah. uh, that he's uh, he has some screen presence even here when he's not, uh, and uh, even in when I first saw him in uh Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, which probably his first. About
1: oh, That is his first film, yeah. Uh,
0: but there he he stands out. But actually, he doesn't stand out quite as so much as he does here. Right? I feel like uh, maybe that's more in retrospect. I but think the sweet.
1: first thing I really noticed him in uh, was a couple of years after this, uh, the Italian Job remake.
0: Oh, haven't seen it. So no, I know almost
1: nobody well. has. It, it, it's weird. <laughs> I mean, it's very bad in many respects. It, it doesn't really have a lot to say. But he, as the driver, and Moss Def as the explosives guy. Yes, is another rapper though. He's, he's oh. East Coast rather than West Coast. Um, I like Mos Def. Those two guys steal the show.
0: Really, I should give it a try. I should give it a. I mean, um, the
1: rest. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg is just coming out of his underwear modelling days and acts like it.
0: Uh, <laughs> I've never really got on with Mark Wahlberg. But um, I, I but, always yeah. enjoy his presence in The Happening because it just makes it a much funnier film. Than it, <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, in this, yeah, as, as you say, the, there is this constant thing of, yeah, supposedly matriarchal society and he is the horny guy. Yeah, Um and in some ways it's a comic relief sort of role. Uh, he's, he's also, it, it's implied, has a slightly dubious background and he can, he's the guy who can get through electronic locks. Uh,
0: it does seem to, I, I did feel that there was a point, I, thankfully it's Jason Statham and he rose above it, but uh, he seemed to be the lock guy. I'm the horny lock guy and mm, every, he's either much. being horny or he's saying, I can get through this door. I can't get through this door. I can get through this door. <laughs> it felt like there was a lot of door action for, for Jason Statham here. Um, so, I mean, but... there there is a line, yeah, yeah, maybe I'd sleep with
1: you if the last man on Earth were not on Earth. Mm. I, and clearly there is intended to be an arc to the point at which, by by the end she is saying, well,
0: you know, fuck it, we're all going to die anyway, why not?
1: Yeah. But I, I felt that arc didn't really get developed. I, I i don 't know it didn 't
0: feel earned did it or, or to me not quite i,
1: I don 't know much about the production of this film, but it it has the feel to me of there was a lot of stuff, and whether it didn 't get filmed or didn 't get into the final cut it 's just not there on the screen and there 's yeah. connective tissue that doesn 't quite make it
0: and maybe it would feel like a less mobile dynamic film with all that stuff and probably doesn 't need it but yeah it feels like it 's creaking a little bit in places um. It, it's yeah. It's it, uh, that that plot point particularly. I, I very much enjoyed Jason Statham here, though I must say I was and very ready for him. I
1: guess the third principle, or probably the second principle, Well, uh, yeah. I, he's Ice Cube, Desolation Williams, yes. and yeah. I mean, there there have been some famously bad examples of singers who think they can act, but I think <laughs> he, I think he pulls it off. You know, if, he, if I he
0: knew nothing about it, and you just said he was an actor and not a rapper. I, again, I wouldn't um, He's no David Bowie. <laughs> Let's you know. Um,
1: but uh, and he, he's probably got one of the more complex characters here. You know, the guy who's presented as this incredibly dangerous criminal, mm. and, yeah, and indeed, whom they initially assume is to blame for all the bodies. And then, hang on a minute. We just got these more bodies, and the guy was locked up at the time. So. <laughs> He's got uh,
0: a slightly more nuanced uh, take on it, uh, and he, he's clearly...
1: he's got this uh, gang that's uh, assisting him and trying to break him out. Another Western trope, oh, wow. you know, tres And he he genuinely seems to care about him.
0: I feel that Ice T, and again, I don't uh, try not to kind of disrespect Natasha Hensrich, but I think his character works better as a he's a crook, but he's you know he's clearly not an out-and-out villain. I think that works better than her character of she's a cop, but she's slightly compromised. Hers didn't quite work because she's so straight for almost all of it.
1: Yeah. If we have had some idea of why she was compromised, then it might, I mean, as you say, it could well be a cliche, but it wouldn't, that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, but at least it would say, you know, something other than I'm a cop. Oh, and I take drugs sometimes.
0: Well, it seemed to be that I take drugs. Sometimes is entirely in the service of a plot later on, um, which I Probably, think is why yeah. it feels a bit jarring in that it, it, that's the only way it's referenced. A bit like the matriarchy. I, I, matriarchy, I don't know why I say it like that. But, um, uh, it feels a bit tacked on. And I, I, I've read actually that Carp- the reason Carpenter wanted a matriarchy was that he wanted a female character or some female characters that didn't have to prove themselves. They were just sort of expected to be tough, kick ass characters. Well, rem-
1: remembering his comments when making, uh, the thing.
0: Yeah, I, it's a slightly unusual and maybe, dare I say, Josh Whedon <laughs> approach to feminism. Um, yeah, but but it's it was...
1: real progress from, I'm not going to put in a female character because she'd just be somebody's girlfriend. So
0: <laughs> Well, he seems to feel like, uh, uh, well, I, I suppose, yeah, taking on that, it was, it, yeah, it was more that men, uh, to be fair to him, I think it was more men act differently when women are around. And I mm. think that is a fair point. Um he just doesn't seem to want to address it particularly, so he finds ways of avoiding it, either by not having women in it at all, or coming up with a solution as to why men um don't act differently. That said, I mean, they do act very much like typical men. There's not really a sense that these are men who have lived their whole life in a matriarchal structure. They mm. just seem like typical men. Um yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, but but, but we, that does bring us into the other thing That appeals to Roger Which is Pam Greer and a leather trench coat
0: <laughs> Quite
1: right too as, as the chief of the cops I mean, yes, alright, she's taken out of the action
0: Fairly early on She's not particularly well used But even so <laughs> <laughs> She's she's great in it It's lovely too, Pam Grier um, there's, uh, I, I would have been yeah, it would have been nice to see a bit more of her. Um, she, I mean, she's killed off screen um, mm. quite early on in the proceedings. Um, but yeah, she's she's a good and, and uh, There's a sort of interesting, though, I don't know, it's a matriarchy, so they must have more lesbians, I think, seems to be the implication here. Or maybe I was reading too much into it.
1: I, I think that certainly hinted at, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, actually, I'm not reading too much of it because I saw the commentary of John Carpenter, who basically kind of says, um, "Well, there'd be more lesbian around," which I'm not sure is, is quite how that works. Um Oh uh,
1: well, you certainly get the situational thing. Whether whether that means it's people's actual preference, it's it's a thing they do. But uh yes. I mean, you, <laughs> you you get the same flip the other way around in prison situational homosexuality for that. So,
0: fair point. Um. Pam Grier, yes, uh, uh, yes, a little bit. way she doesn't have a lot to do, as you say, um, but it is lovely to see her. Um, I'd particularly lovely to see her in a leather coat. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, we also have Joanna Cassidy, who is um, uh, mm-hmm. from Blade Runner, um, uh, and so it's interesting to uh, uh, revisit her. Uh, 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 she's the um, snake uh, dancing uh, replicant. <laughs> um, <laughs> not the snake in my mind. Jora, thank you very much. Um, uh Whereas here, uh, she is um a scientist what done broke the world, basically, because she has let out the ghosts. Um, well, not deliberately. No, not <laughs> deliberately, not at all, but she did, as she said, she's the one who opened Pandora's box. Um She doesn't have a lot to do either. In fact, we're saying this is about a lot of the characters in a way. They they don't really... um Yeah, this,
1: this is why I feel that maybe it was cut down from a bigger script and they kept in a little bit of everything.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, um, well, so she's almost like the, uh, the Basil exposition of the film. She, she has to explain what's happened to give us the, the fairly bare backstory that we get. Um, so we get some understanding about what's going on. She doesn't really do that. And once she's done her exposition, she, uh, disappears relatively quickly. Though she does well with what she's got.
1: Well, again, I, I feel that there was. Meant to be a plot thread which never quite got connected together. I and mean, as, as you say, we've, we've got, uh, Ballard taking the drugs at the beginning. We established that she has a drug habit, if not yes. a especially serious one. Mm. And later on, she, she gets possessed by one of these things and she fights it off. And I, I think the implication was meant to be because she is already, um, you know, used to come, uh, taking hallucinogens and then having to distinguish what's real and what isn't. That, that is okay. giving her an advantage. That, that's how I read it, but it's not stated by any means.
0: It's not, under, you know, the other take could just be that, they, that it can't enter a brain that's contaminated with this kind of, uh, medicine and it, it's almost like a pharmaceutical rejection rather than she fights it off. That would I'll tell be you the, the reason reader. I
1: don't, I wouldn't support that. And that is simply that if that were the case, then they could say, "Right, everybody, take take a dose of these hallucinogens." We'll get on the train and trip, trip balls you out of here. You have
0: hit upon one of my problems in the film. Why wouldn't you say that? Why would I, you? Might well be right, but you, you you can say if that were the case, everyone could say that. Why didn't they anyway? They don't know the solution. Mm. They may have just cured everyone. No, let's kill every single person here anyway. <laughs> um, but um, I, I think it maybe doesn't behoove the plot too well to 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 examine it too deeply um well the the other
1: thing that uh, you, you mentioned earlier was um even once they know that when you kill one of these possessed people that is what lets the spirit loose and then it can go and look for somebody else to possess they keep killing them and then they're all surprised when they get possessed
0: yeah i mean this is essentially a random thing that you can't protect against just I mean, just shoot them in the kneecaps. They're not, they've got, they're not, gonna, they're not gonna, they might throw stuff at you, but they're gonna struggle to do it when they're writhing about on the ground. Don't kill them, because then you've got this random thing that you can't protect against.
1: Mm. Um, I mean, there but, might be some of those around anyway, but most of the ones we see are definitely, one of them is killed, and then its spirit comes out and attacks one of our heroes.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, they don't seem to have any power over who they go in, though. Because the random one that we see inside picks the guy who's locked inside a cell already, <laughs> which uh, mm-hmm. doesn't seem necessarily the best idea. Uh, we, we've kind of segued into the plot a little bit. I mean, we have some other characters here, the, the rookies, as they're called. Um, yeah, Claire uh, Duval. Claire Duval, yeah, who, um, is an excellent actress in lots of other things. Um, I haven't seen, uh, her in, uh, sorry, I said actress. That's terribly old-fashioned of me. Um, an excellent actor in, um, in many other Thing. She get, I hate to say it, she doesn't get a lot to do here. Mm. Um, it Looks extremely surprised when she gets decapitated. There is a lot of dismembering in <laughs> um, yep, this yeah, film. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is uh, nicely. <laughs> it's weird to say, it's nicely handled. Ah, um, uh, now, do you, I have a sort of question about the overall tone? Because I feel uh, I cards on the table I was very ready for this film after Mulholland Drive it's a breakneck <laughs> um relatively simple on the brain actioner um with um gruesome elements um with some humour um uh, it's not uh it's 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 very good and it's very entertaining um which we'll probably come on to later If you know is that a virtue can that make it a masterpiece I think we might want to talk about that later a bit but um uh I want to know, is it supposed to be more of a comedy that it comes across? Or is it is um, it supposed to be camper than it is?
1: Um... Yeah, I, I, well, I think it is quite camp, and I think it's meant to yes. be quite camp. Um, yes. There, there was apparently an original um, script draft that played it fairly straight, but that never got anywhere near filming. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I think one of the reasons people didn't like it was they were expecting a serious horror film. <laughs> and it isn't.
0: it It isn't really, is it? I think that is, I think maybe you've hit upon one of the big problems, uh, not with the film, but with the reaction to it. Yeah, I, I think it is really, yeah, I'm being a bit mean saying, is it campier than it? Is it supposed to be campier than it? It is really quite campy. And we have comedic, I, I've chopped my thumb off moments, um, mm-hmm. uh, which are taken seriously, but clearly, over the top, to like Mad Max levels of over the top, um, the gruesomeness, and people just, uh, shrugging off, getting their hands, uh, their arm chopped off, um, until...
1: And, and the soundtrack, uh, which, which is a, oh, yes. uh, I, I believe the, the term is a bitchin' metal soundtrack. Uh, and Carpenter had significant input into basically everything on there. Well, and he's, they, uh, they, he's they, American they, American they got Anthrax American. and Steve Vai and Buckethead and so on to, uh, to do the actual playing but he he was he's a co-composer on everything
0: i i think it is a uh i think the soundtrack really is a clue as, as to how you're supposed to take this film as a kind of kick back and and enjoy it kind of film um uh and i think the kind of the almost comedic violence goes along with that there was um mm. i'm a i'm a big um Judge Dredd's fan, and there was a whole section they did, um in the magazine, I think called Heavy Metal Dread, which was, um it was, it was like Dread, only turned up to 11, and it was really comedically ultra-violent. Um, it was Garth Ennis, of course, who, uh, that's his old shtick nowadays. Um, but, uh, this feels like the, almost the filmic version of that, the, the kind of this, just, just enjoy it. Um, and I don't just mean enjoy the decapitation of it, but it just, this is the kind of film we're at, it's, it's just going to sort of happen at you <laughs> and yeah, hmm. you're going to, um, you're going to be taken along for a ride, um, and you're going to have gone through some things. Um, I, I think you... the soundtrack really suits it if you take it in that spirit. Yeah.
1: Um, I think we, we talked about, um, the thing being ahead of its time. And I, w- I wonder if in a way this, this I picture this coming out in, in the middle late eighties when, you know, there's commando and there's predator and stuff coming out.
0: Yes, I, and it would agree. have fit there perfectly. Yeah. It's, uh, yes, I almost said it. it's a bit um, behind its time. Um, you know, this is it. It does. It does feel from the films we've been watching. It does feel. Um, uh, I don't want to say retrograde, but it is noticeably different to some of the films we've been watching recently. Um, not just I, I think because of the type of film, but the, the stylistically. Uh, effects-wise, to some extent. I mean, we're already in the era of CGI now with our 2001. Not advanced CGI, but there's a lot of it. Yeah, well,
1: though mostly they, they used a gypsum mine and an awful lot of red food dye. <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, I guess what I mean is here, this feels more like, yeah, slightly shonky 80s special effects, um, which which worked for me, again, this went to one of my happy places, so I'm not going to complain about it. I absolutely agree with it. Uh, sort of behind its time, or not trying to be more than that.
1: The, the thing I think, it, it's a hard uh, line to get to stay on, but I think it's trying to be a bit silly, but not a full-fledged comedy.
0: Yeah, I, I think, in fact, I, I found a quote from Carpenter saying he was trying to make a... Uh, A mindless silly film um to some extent and um he was a bit surprised when people uh were saying well it's this isn't proper horror this is uh this is campy this is not the thing
1: all over again
0: yeah his response was um it's called ghosts of mars i mean what did you what did you expect (laughs) it's it's not going to be it's already got that kind of title and that kind of film so i i think the, yeah, my feeling is the negative reaction to it was partly because John Carpenter had such a reputation as this master of horror, um, mm. and this isn't, as you say, it's not really a horror film so much, it's a, it's kind of a B-movie actioner with horror, horrific things in it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think he ever really does the same thing twice, so...
0: This is one of the things I'm really, I, and again, this has only added to my appreciation of John Carpenter and that he, he really, apart from... Uh, as we touched on sort of off-air, the, the escape from dot, dot, dot films, um, where some people said, I haven't actually seen Escape from uh, L.A., um, so I don't know if it's very similar. But, you know, we have a we have They Live, Big Trouble in Little China, The Thing, oh, Starman. Big Bram Trouble, another
1: big... hugely misunderstood film, because people big don't Man. work out who the hero is.
0: Exactly, <laughs> <So>, yes. <laughs> no, it's, 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 the whole film is sort of a bait and switch to who the hero is. Um, that, that is a really varied um, oeuvre uh, and, and of course yes the film that I forgot was John Carpenter um, in the In the Mouth of Madness mm. Um yeah that's very different inter- he is um, I wouldn't say it's scattershot so much as varied it, he, he is always doing something different um, but even even John Carpenter fans don't seem to have a huge amount of love for Ghosts of Mars um which seems a shame to me. I mean, it's very—it's one of those films that's very easy to point out a lot of quite obvious flaws in it, hmm. but that sort of misses the point, I think. As we've already talked about a few times. I mean, I mean, there are a lot of plot holes and issues. Do you want to go through it a bit, beat by beat, um, and see? Do uh... yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, the the, the thing that uh, really struck me while I was watching it this time was. Uh, all, all, all the possessed people, apart from the, you know, self-inflicted ritual scarification and so on, they've got all these spiky swords and things. Where did they get them? I mean, is, <laughs> is there some guy in the mine workshop with the lathe turning the things out by hand?
0: They are very intricately kinky spiky swords thing. And we get a good look at one, of course, because Mel picks one up and, and looks at it. And the film draws attention to it, which is exactly where I thought of, exactly what you thought of, that you know where where are these things coming from <laughs> where are they getting these kind of spinning death frisbees that they seem to have all over the place <laughs> i guess they might be repurposed mine equipment that's, i gotta say my, my experience
1: area. throwing circular saw blades is that they do not fly very well
0: yeah i think there's a reason <laughs> that they haven't really caught on as a weapon generally and i i, I don't think they're quite sharp enough to you such the level of severance that they seem to. Mm. Um, I'm sure they would do you a nasty injury and probably kill you if they hit you very hard, but perhaps not quite so cleanly as as, as demonstrated here. Uh,
1: <laughs> I, I so, think one of the reasons I really like this E is this first half, as we'll, we'll come into in a minute. Yeah. Um, and I noticed this time also that it's very much in the model of narrative that I like in games as well. It's uh, the, gradually escalating. We We know something weird is going on. Yeah. But we don't know what, and we are gradually getting clues and putting them together. Yes. And working out, you know, and there's the occasional bout of violence and the occasional bout of weirdness, and slowly it comes together, and I I just love that. So
0: I mean, that is the the kind of, what you might think of as the aliens model, um, where, Mm. yeah, it starts ominously, you know something very bad has gone on very quickly, but... It just slowly escalates to the point where we have... So, yes, we start but Effectively,
1: off... it's aliens starting off to the landing.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's a very similar um, narrative model, actually, that you mentioned it. So they start off, everywhere's abandoned, um, Pam Grier goes off... This is where we start to get multiple flashbacks or flashbacks within flashbacks, as rather than following the action of each person what we tend to do is wait until they've come back and reported back, and then we get what happened in flashback. What's hmm. um, oh, an interesting way to do it. I don't, I, 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 I don't, don't think do it does it. damage. No, I don't think so. I, that said, I don't know the ads a ton either, but I hmm. didn't find it confusing. Um, it's just uh, it's just an interesting way of doing it. Um, then we have the introduction of the scientist, and then after, after a reasonable time, we get the introduction of... Um, uh Desolation Williams well first we get the the trio uno dios tres um uh and what what did you make of the that that three gang of uh villains
1: well on on the downside i think the whole plot about we're here to rescue him is a a bit of a western standard and b not really necessary yes. but on the other hand what what it does is show us um Williams as a guy who cares about his people in yes. in, in a rough yes. and tough manly way but
0: yeah and it also gives us Melanie a chance to uh, show a bit more of it she hasn't really shown much leadership or much metal up until she encounters Williams and kind of outwits him uh, in a very basic way, because they all walk into the cell. Um, but it, it, it's nice to show her getting the upper hand and giving her some, a bit, and also she gets a chance to show off her, um, melee skills, um, <laughs> as, uh, as it Duos goes, or, you know, uh, it's, you know, um, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's a nice, I, 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 as you say, it's slightly clumsy and cliched, but I think it's necessary and helpful to give us a bit more depth into our two lead characters, um, or just a bit more sympathy with them, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Um, and so you gradually get... All right, we, we, we don't get the cliché of the log entry because we have uh, actual Whitlock to explain. We have, but... Yeah.
0: Usually, I mean, my experience with that is computer games, which is almost always on a crack. You're in absolutely... Hi- tra- Hyper technology, um <laughs> worlds with f- uh, flat screens and holographic technology, but everyone always records their uh, logs on a crackly audio log that doesn't quite work. <laughs> I'm never <laughs> quite sure why that happens when the tech exists now for that not to be a thing, but okay.
1: But I, I will admit that for me the, the second half, which you might think of as the fighty half, yes. um, does perhaps bog, bog down a bit but he does he does give it interesting and i think that's one, one of the virtues of the rescue subplot that you know it's, it's a thing that yeah all right we've we've got all this bad stuff going on but we we're, we're sticking with the plan of uh, i get caught my guys rescue me
0: yeah it's um i think what i would have liked to make about it is have the characters behave a bit um uh, I don't know. Use their brains a bit more as well, because they—it's they, almost like they try to think things through, fail, and just give up and shoot things. Um, oh, it's it's obviously re-
1: the thin atmosphere.
0: It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they weren't wearing their um, oxygen goggles. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I tell you yeah. what, though, I mean, consider a film like Outland, where they go through major contortions to show to make somebody's face be recognizable when they're wearing a pressure suit helmet.
0: Yeah, yeah, I must and, say, And,
1: yeah. I mean, maybe this is just me thinking this, but I'm I'm wondering if this is a deliberate, look, you don't have to do that. You don't uh, have like, to give them a great big mask and then make it transparent. Just give them goggles.
0: Just look, give them goggles, yeah. They explain I mean, it, it. It works. Yeah, Accept it and say, move on. Yeah, <laughs> well, you'd had to, really, because the, the film had moved on. Um. Uh, yeah, I agree, Um. Yeah, there's actually a line where it's like, um, well, the plan A didn't work. Have you got a plan B? Yeah, it's the same as plan A. Got any better ideas? And the better idea is just charge at them and shoot. Um, (laughs) I mean, I went with it, but it is, I think you really have to go in the spirit of um, this is a slightly over-the-top, comedic, campy, it's not. It's not a thoughtful horror piece like the mm. thing. Uh, it's not a Lovecraftian uh, psychodrama like uh, in the Mouth of Madness. It's um, and
1: these people are not the best of the best.
0: These people are not <laughs> the best of the best. Um, they are, they don't get a chance to be that likable. Ultimately, I mean, I think probably That's the most likable of the bunch is Desolation Williams because mm. he's given a bit more um, chance to be likable. The one I enjoyed. Watching most was Jason Statham. Um, Natasha Henry's just sort of, she doesn't fade into the background. She's a powerful presence, but very straight presence aside from it. And, and yeah, you,
1: you don't learn much forth. about her, as yeah, I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, but so, and the action too sequ- uh, well, let's talk about the action there, because we've seen some really premiere action. You know, we've had Die Hard um, here, which is a great example of how you can be smart and have action sequences. Um, uh Here, uh, the the action is very good. It's not confusing, especially. It's very quick, particularly towards the end of the film. So once they've decided to attack, within the space of about three minutes, half the cast has been murdered at, at one point. Um, they just all get killed very quickly mm. um, until we whittle down to include it. I was very sad to see um, Jericho... Um, uh, have have such an it gets a bit of an underwhelming finish, and I suppose mm. that's maybe because I was thinking it's Jason Statham, but no one was thinking it's Jason Statham at the time of making yeah. the film. Um,
1: yeah, great. there there is a thing that I felt wasn't particularly good was um, when I think we mentioned in Die Hard that you always get a sense of the geography and how things connect to each other, and even just in the jail you don't really get that. And you know, if we're going through that door, we we get to hear. Which would be nice to have. I'm particularly remembering how effective that was in Alien, where where they built the whole set as one piece, specifically so that it would have that, and they would go out of the right door to get to the other place.
0: That really does ground it. Yes, I agree, we don't really get that here, and we don't... We also don't particularly get... When we've really liked fight sequences, it's when they've actually used the confines and the physicality of the space that they're in. Um, Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of that here There's not really much of that here So I I don't know that the action is It's certainly good I don't know that it's amazing here Um, I I wonder whether
1: maybe it was choreographed Before they saw the the spaces they had to work with Or something of that sort So they didn't really get the chance to use them
0: Yes, it feels a bit like like the most um, I suppose the most we see sort of melee combat Is when um, Uno... Uh, attempts to, uh, assault, um, Mel and he just, uh, she just disarms him. Uh, but the rest of it is mostly outside in very, uh, uh open environments. Um.
1: Yeah, there's not uh, a lot of cover to hide behind or anything like that.
0: No. The, the stakes are, are very clear, I guess, as to what's happening. And that's, that's my kind of basic for uh, action. I want to know what's going to happen if this doesn't work. Um. Uh, which reminds me, we, you know, you talked about the good kind of subconscious, uh, cluing in of, uh, there's something more here, we need to go back. Hmm. Um, I, I, I suppose I did want to touch on that because it, uh, I, I think it worked and I was surprised that I didn't react badly to it because, um, it just, it seemed, uh, if I took a step back and looked at the actual plot, it didn't really make a lot of sense to go back, honestly. I mean, there's a, Ghosts, we don't know what a nuclear bomb, they even touch upon it, you know, if we, if we set off a nuclear, bomb, is that even going to do anything? We don't know. Um,
1: but how often at this pay grade do you get a chance to set off a nuclear explosion? <laughs> exactly, I mean, really? Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, I shouldn't argue with it. I went with it. It was fine, but it, it's another one of the slightly dubious, um, uh, again, I, Nobody says they're right, and in fact they're wrong. <laughs> um, but, but it's uh, and for,
1: for that matter, if you if you want to uh, know why it wouldn't cause nuclear explosion, I have a book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the thing it that actually it. struck me as a little odd, and I, I'd forgotten this from previous viewing, uh, that they. They go into what's clearly meant to be the reactor control space, but they never—you never really see much of the sabotage. You know, there's no, there's no big countdown or synthesized voice or any of that stuff. No, no, we're great. You know, the cooling things shut down. Here's the emergency venting, or Which any of that.
0: Which is so well done in Aliens. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I to the point there were two moments when I rewound this. One was that I. Just nipped to the toilet and came back to find half the cast dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> had to rewind. I had missed what happened to Jericho. Um, that was totally my fault because I got text messages. But, but it is very um, sudden, yeah. It, it is. It's all very rapid. And the other moment was, um, did I miss them actually destroying the reactor? I, I think because... Uh, well, I, look, they, I they, they
1: go into the um, reactor control building, whatever it is, and, and they, uh, Whitlock starts tapping away at things. And then they go on and do something else and that's it.
0: It's not well, and again it's fine um and but it compare
1: is... again alien, where you've got that lovely bit with with the oh, um the, 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 the physical is... process of, of opening the hatch and setting the bolts in the right place and all that stuff
0: yes, it's amazing just quickly to i mean again it's apparently to these honest... reactors are
1: designed for an easy uh um, <laughs> op- work optimized overload
0: <laughs> well, I have to say, probably that's more realistic than the extremely impractical um this is how you turn the self-destruct back off again you know <laughs> you'd think that would just be an off switch wouldn't you really but yeah, but there we go um, it's but yeah it's it's very uh, it's all a bit glossed over and a bit quick but then we end up with a uh, we have sort of an epic battle where most of the cast die and then we have a um, uh, a final train sequence which is I, I suppose that's slightly underwhelming as well basically we just have two baddies in fact, the guy who was Big Mar's daddy had died quite a bit early in that. He's sort of built up as a one of the main baddies. And then, as I recall, he just sort of drops through a ceiling and they just kill him, um, I think.
1: I, I thought that was meant to be him on the train at the end, but part of the problem is it's all a bit dark.
0: And... It is all a bit dark, they're all wearing similar makeup, they've all filed their teeth back, they've all stuck stuff in their face, and it doesn't really matter because they, they're still a grunty, <laughs> grunty, shouty, um, alien, uh, uh alien possessor. Um, I, I
1: must admit I was quite amused after all the times they've said, yeah, we got detonators, they'd be more useful if we had some dynamite, and finally we got some dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: yeah. It was, um, I mean, I would like to, I mean, we have spent a bit of time picking it apart and, and kind of saying why it's not perfect and we don't get to know all the characters and some of it's a bit rushed and some of it's a bit confusing. It's interesting sort of spelling it out like that because I have to say my experience of watching it was not that particularly, the run mm. underwhelming moments, the, but overall I flipping enjoyed it. I really enjoyed watching it. Um, I,
1: I think the term is fridge logic in that you know, afterwards you think, oh well, why not this or that? But at yes. the time, it carries you along with it. I mean, it's it's not as good as a story that actually fully makes sense, but it's a lot better than one that has you wondering at the time.
0: Yes, while they're talking about it, yes, then you think, no, you wouldn't do that. That they're the ones that have you shouting at the screen, telling people they're stupid, and and this doesn't, it didn't quite reach that for me. Um, it's just I, well, I, it's just a fun watch, and I. Mm i I think film is very good at carrying you along a roller coaster i mean I mean we've looked at films that have explored uh uh well a lot of different aspects of the human condition, a lot of them i would say quite unsuccessfully um uh you know i I, I don't know why the um the dead is springing to mind, but you know it, it tried to do uh a uh, 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 sort of exploration of um, uh, inner psychology, in a way that d- kind of failed and had to resort to narrative. Mm. Um, I mean, some films are very, uh, very good at, at um, exploring other things. Mulholland Drive, you know, was this puzzle piece which didn't quite work for either of us. It did work for a lot of other people, should be said. But film, I, I think, what film is good at, and, and you don't necessarily have to avoid it, is spectacle mm. and. And this isn't all CGI and flashy special effects, but it is, it's, well, spectacle's perhaps the wrong word, but just pure entertainment, and this is very good at pure entertainment.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if you've seen low-budget film before, which obviously we have, then then you can spot some of the tricks that are being used to say, well, yeah, okay, we we can't really do this, but we'll set it at night and keep the stuff in the background uh, a, a little more concealed and so on. Yes. And it's a shame because, particularly, I mean, train fights I think benefit especially from the the, back, the background rushing past at speed, which which you don't really get a sense of here.
0: Yes, that was missing a bit. they the kind of they can feel very epic if they're done right in that sort of way. Um, it, it didn't here, but uh,
1: but you know, yes, he's but... using these tricks, and it, it was it was a budget of twenty eight million in two thousand and one, which is definitely on the low end for for a major film.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So it, it was a relatively low budget. It, it feels like a bit of a throwback. Um, it's not really trying to be. Uh, well, I, I don't want to say it's not trying to be anything. It is trying to be something. It is, I think, consciously trying to be a uh, a, a roller coaster ride, slightly over the top B movie um, hmm. action film. Yeah. And on those terms. It was really unfairly panned, I think, absolutely unfairly panned. There's a lot of films that have had lower pretensions than that that have failed utterly. I mean, there's plenty of films that have had higher pretensions that have (laughs) failed. Um, But here, on the terms of what it was trying to do, I really do think it succeeds quite well. Yeah, I
1: think maybe one of the problems with films is that you can't stick a label on it up front saying this is a whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure and to try to, to, to some extent, and the <laughs> yes. the, 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 bit, the big genre categories. You know, this this is a romantic comedy or whatever. But
0: yeah. some films are good at surprising you in a good way. Um, others, it feels like a bait and switch. And others, uh, which is in, in not in a good way. Um, and other films, sometimes, if you, if a film is a, not what you're expecting, it can really sour your experience. It's hard to get that right, really, because sometimes the surprise is is what makes the film. Mm. But I think more often than not, it isn't. Yeah, you, you want to be in the right frame of mind for some films. Um, and yes, for Mulholland Drive, I uh, I, <laughs> I knew exactly what it would be. <laughs> I tried to get in the right frame of mind and it didn't work. Um, here, I knew what this would be and Mulholland Drive had put me in the right frame of mind for this <laughs> film. Um, and it, it worked very well for me. I may be looking at it more kindly uh, I don't know if it... I don't want to say it felt like comfort food, but I I think it celebrated a bit of what films are good at, and I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of. About.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't want every film that I watch to be like this. No. But, you know, going in, expecting a light-hearted but reasonably serious... I mean, the, the thing that often gets to me about comedy is... I, I still want to care about the characters. I, I want to have that yes. um, narrative weight of whether, whether they succeed or not mattering to me. And it yes. does that. So... Yeah. And at, yeah. at the same time, it's doing it in a lighthearted way and saying, yeah, this is this is kind of ridiculous, but it matters to the people in the film. Um, a bit like Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, where they're, yeah. cl- they're clearly having fun with it, and at times they're pointing out how silly it is, but they're still taking it seriously.
0: It still matters to them because they're in this situation. Yeah. They're not like, ho ho, we're all in on the joke. They're aware of it, but it's, it's their life. Yeah. I, yeah. I, well, it's the old airplane thing of that. you know, they don't know they're in a comedy. Well, here they're not in a comedy, but I guess they don't know they're in a B movie 80s action uh, um, yeah. style film. <laughs> and that's, that's the same idea, really. They take it as seriously as they need to, um, for that. Uh, Right, well, have you got... I just, I'm just looking through my um list of things, which include uh, notes like dismember, dismemberment slash decapitation. <laughs> um, I, 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 did, I, I didn't
1: t- notice the three-level flashback. I mean, two, certainly. Oh, sorry, the but...
0: three-level flashback. So the, the film is a flashback in that she is in the... um She's in the tribunal, or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, talking to the film. Then she talks to... Then we have the flashback from Jason Statham's character, who tells them who tells her what happened to him while he was up on the ridge. Yeah. Um, Which, I have to say, is a masterpiece of understatement when he's he's found um, severed heads, um, people wearing human faces, the entire penal colony has gone nuts, Um, and he says, I think we've got a situation here, Captain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then he uh, gets captured by Unas Trace, who then tell him, through their flashback what ah. happened to them at the beginning of the Mayan College, that is a that is a triple uh that's an a, a inception level <laughs> inception worthy <laughs> level of flashback but, but I, I, didn't I, find I, it
1: I at least didn't it. have trouble following what was going on
0: no i, I was surprised yeah. that people said it was confusing cuz it isn't it isn't um, it just isn't um yeah uh i do you know one of the people who Did. So i read a lot of stuff about this, you know, arguably Carpenter's worst film. Roger Ebert um, quite liked this film, or at least he gave it three out of five instead of one out of five that most other people did. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said it was, you know, he he kind of took it in the spirit that we did. It was very good at what it did. He was just he was a little disappointed that these films often descend into shoot the aliens. But um, I think that's kind of the point of this kind of film. But yeah, he was and, a rare uh, liker of
1: it. Richard Roper said uh, Carpenter's a smart man. He knows exactly what he's doing. It's a campy action flick. Yeah. Yeah, it's stupid. It's meant to be a bit stupid.
0: I think that's it. We we seem to have taken it in, or at least... Uh, I, I'm not saying... We took it in in that spirit, and it works very well on those terms. I, I'm not forgetting that this is a man who brought us Yeah, They Live, The Thing... Um, Starman, I really like Starman. Everyone else hates it, but I, I'm a soppy. Like <laughs> I'm not seeing it. Ultimately, um, I think you probably wouldn't like it, but I do. Um, oh, it's very. Sad. It's got Karen Allen in. She's very rarely in the other films. Uh, Marion from uh, Raiders, but uh, it's it's a, it's very much an ET alike. But it's got Jeff Bridges as the ET character. It's very good. <laughs> um, anyway, that's by the by. We're not here to um took his time uh yeah I, I yeah he is he's an accomplished and very versatile director and he did not deserve the balls he got for this one I mean this is a film that pushed him out of uh but more or less put him into retirement I think he's done one film since and that uh, was yeah the ward which
1: later. didn't didn't get particularly positive though after this I'm, I'm kind of curious about it
0: yes I well again I I would be happy to watch anything I mean to be honest I've seen most of the films that I really want to watch with Carpenter but he has done a lot of very good ones Um yeah he, he certainly might I have a sort of in my back if, if a director can produce what I think are three great films then they're in my hall of of fame director. Spielberg can do it. Hitchcock can do it. Carpenter uh, certainly done it. Um, mm. uh, Tarantino's done it for me. Cohen's have definitely done it. Um, so, uh, he's he definitely up there, and, and he's done more than more than most of the people in there, I think, as well. Um, so, yeah. b- looking at
1: this film specifically, is
0: it a masterpiece? I'm going to say yes. Oh, you're going with the, uh, yes, okay.
1: With, with the it? proviso that, that we've been saying all this time of... Yeah, you know, it is not trying to be a serious dramatic film. It is not trying to be a, an ecological study. It it is a um, it's a romp. It, it's it, a romp, Yeah, it's a fun silly action film. It's a bit over the top. On that level, it delivers gorgeously.
0: It does. I I had. Uh, much more fun watching it than I did while Ireland tried. I'm sorry, David Lynch, um, uh, but uh, it wasn't for me. Um, the, the, I, the
1: timing was coincidental, but it worked awfully well.
0: It did work awfully, yeah, maybe, I, like if we'd, I suppose I am going to say it just falls a bit short of being a masterpiece because I can see, I feel, for me, too many areas where just a bit of tweaking would have made it so much, well, not so much better, but just slightly better, and I feel, there are films that do this better, and specifically hmm. Aliens, I think. Yeah, um, granted. Aliens is I think a measurably better film than this, um, but similar. That said, I, I think it only just falls short. I think it definitely, for, for me, I think it definitely accomplishes what John Carpenter seems to have wanted set out to do, and accomplishes it very, very well. So... um uh, don't listen to the haters. We liked
1: it, or at least you know, take it on its own terms. Give it a try. Um, I, I would definitely recommend this if, if you like action films at all. And I, I will admit, my my taste for action films were formed in the eighties. That's not everything I want to watch, but yeah, I, I will I will put up Commando against an awful lot of other films and say, yeah, this this is actually good. This is this works. So
0: yeah, I think it, I don't know if we're being sort of anti. uh snobby in a way but I don't think so I think the point I'm trying to get across I I think we both are is that there's nothing to be ashamed, there's nothing wrong with uh, a romp a a B-movie romp and, and there are Good and bad examples of of that form, and there are masterpieces of it. I, I get. I feel this is an extremely good example of it. For, for you, it's a masterpiece. I, I wouldn't argue, but just because it doesn't have black and white and mopeiness, um, <laughs> uh, it it doesn't. It, it's a very good example of what film can do, and that's really what we're about. Um, here. Yeah. very good. Yeah,
1: Thank not you, not Dr. one Canterbury. that's been influential, but. Yeah.
0: Well, except on the fact that it stopped John Carpenter making films for some time, which is a oh, shame because yes. he's flipping great. Whether he would have done anyway, I don't know, but I don't think he had the best experience being eviscerated. Um, rather like his, uh, his, well, not quite the same as his cast here, but, <laughs> mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the critics did to him what he did to his cast. Well, there we are. That is the end um, of that. Now we're doing, we're not doing 2001 in film because we've already done it. So. That will draw us to the end of Ghosts of Mars, and we'll we'll pan back to leave a desolate, empty mining village with just uh, a flickering in the background. And the oh, is that usual... the reactor overloading? Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, it could well be.
1: Ah, yeah, let's just kick some ass. <laughs>